0: pray about was actually just that God would open up the eyes of our understanding um, to His Word, and, and that's so important. Psalm 40, you know, I taught it uh, last week on Psalm 40, um, and there wasn't, uh, there was this, this little nugget uh, in, within that passage where David says, mine ears hast thou opened, mine ears hast thou opened, and when you look at like what it's actually saying, it's talking about like digging out. And appar- uh, apparently as humans, we have a lot of like spiritual earwax and God's God's got to kind of like dig that out and like open up our eyes. So let me just pray one more time. Uh, Lord, I do just ask that you would open up our eyes and what we're going to see in Mark 4 is uh, that it's possible to hear your words and for the, th- those words to just... Uh, fall on hardened hearts and, and fall to the ground, fall to the wayside, and for those things to be snatched up. And so, Lord, I do pray that you would uh, till our hearts, that that we would uh, be uh, just good ground for, for your word to fall and, and for it to bear fruit. And again, pray that this would be for your glory, for the edification of the church. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so we're going to be in Mark 4. The, 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 the theme for today is going to be uh, agrarian in nature. So uh, maybe we can just start with a survey of how many people in Wholeheart have a garden or like to garden? Can I see a, a show of hands? Okay. So 60%? I have a question. Yeah. Is a tomato plant in a pot? A garden. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the question is, is a tomato plant in a pot a garden let's let's do another survey who Who thinks that a tomato plant in a garden or in a pot is a garden? Okay, all right. So, uh, the majority of the class oh, yeah. <laughs> Can everybody close your eyes and let's do the survey again. All right. <laughs> No, so I, uh, I grew up uh, from a Mennonite background, and uh, if you don't know what that is, that's okay, uh, but but one of the things that was kind of a value of, of my family's from my grandparents uh, that was passed down to my parents was having a garden. Uh, I, I actually had a photo on my phone, and then I out of the 100,000 digital photos, I lost it, and I couldn't find it again. But uh, I have a photo of my grandmother standing in her garden, and I don't know if it's like a cabbage or some kind of zucchini plant, but it is like past her hip. I mean, it was just massive. And uh, very simple living, uh, love to like eat off the earth. And, you know, we kind of live in a different society now where we show up at a supermarket and food is just like... like magically there, right? And we don't, sometimes we take for granted the labor it takes to plant that, to water it, to care for it, and to uh, even get it to us, you know, through shipping and stuff like that. Uh, But, you know, in Jesus's time, I imagine, without even doing much like historical research, that there was much more of a being in tune with what it meant to, to go out and plant. I actually saw one commentator say that most people had a plot of land or something that they either uh, reaped harvest from or they had worked themselves or they had workers working on. And so this idea of, of planting was something that uh, people would be very you know, knowledgeable of. And it's a theme throughout the Bible, uh, Genesis 1. It's like talking about like seed reproducing after itself. I did not get uh, <laughs> the green thumb that uh, my my grandparents and my parents have, and uh, we we actually have in our backyard what I, what I would refer to as the pits of despair. Okay? So if you don't if you don't know this reference, this is from Princess Bride, and uh, where uh, Wesley young Wesley gets tortured in the pits of despair. But uh, we have this this, uh, little plot of land in the backyard. And it used to be some kind of like carriage house or it has a stone foundation. You got to kind of step down into it. And it took me like nine years to figure out that like if I don't plant something in this, nature will. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think means that maybe it's good ground, right? But like... uh, I mean, we get, like, trees that we, like, start growing in there. And then, like, the longer I wait to address the weeds, the more work it becomes. Thus, the despair part. <laughs> oh, over time, we actually started to to get a hold of it. Uh, the Lord provided some ample time. This is a photo of, of Allie and our youngest daughter uh, working in the pit of despair after we had... <laughs> put some new soil in it and they're actually planting. So Allie uh, is fantastic with, with keeping plants alive and things like that. So I think she's gotten, she's gotten that, uh, that talent and that gift. But this is something that, you know, like it takes work. And even for us, like this last, this last season, uh, this last spring, we were so busy right? So, like, this is not what our garden looks like right now, okay? <laughs> and that's to, like, no one's fault, but just recognizing that, like, we can't, we can't rely on last, last season's harvest, right? It's like, we cannot grow weary in well-doing. And so, what we're going to see is that <clears throat> Jesus is going to start teaching these parables, and, and I want to just anchor us a little bit of context. So in, Matthew, or in Mark chapter 3, you can also see this in Matthew 12, that Jesus was doing miracles and the Jewish religious leaders started saying, that demon that he cast out, that was the power of Satan. Okay? <laughs> this was a big deal because God was at work and his people... Israel, the Jewish leaders were saying, no, that's not God. That's actually Satan. What we saw at the beginning of Mark 3 was that the scribes were actually planning with the Herodians how they would destroy Jesus, like they were plotting his murder. Okay, so at this point in Mark and in the Gospels, you have not just like, God's chosen people Israel saying we'll consider what <laughs> what what you're saying. We'll we'll evaluate, we'll test the fruit and see if it's of God or not. We'll go to scripture and see like is this Jesus guy a true prophet? That's not where they're at. They're actually no, this is satanic and we're going to we're going to destroy him. That's where they're at. And so after that rejection by Israel, all of a sudden, we see this shift in Jesus's teaching style to the public, to the multitude. He starts teaching in parables. So that's where we're going to start. And uh, we're going to go through these. Uh, there's, I think there's four different parables that we're going to look at and just get some context around those. Mark chapter four, verse one, we'll just start there and read. And he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. If you guys remember, Jesus had told his disciples, hey, go get a boat because scripture said that like they were going to throng him, like they were basically going to squash him like a grape. Like everybody wanted a piece of Jesus because of these miracles. Okay, so the great multitudes coming, Jesus enters into a ship, and he sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land, and he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine. Okay, doctrine is teaching. If you ever see the word doctrine, you could. Switch that out with the word teaching. So Jesus had some things that he wanted to teach. Oh, I forgot to put that up. I'm sorry. I actually had the verses up there. (laughs) Okay. Um, So so this is the first thing uh, that uh, I want to highlight is that parables have a dual nature. Okay. Concealing and revealing doctrine simultaneously. Concealing and revealing doctrine simultaneously. I was reading some commentaries this week, uh, and also got a chance to even listen to some sermons uh, on, on Blue Letter Bible, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, some, some teachers would say that uh, parables are, are strictly for concealing, okay, that, that God wanted to, to hide something from the children of Israel, and he was going to mask it through parables. Then you, you also hear this like other school of thought where uh, some would say Jesus was enhancing his teaching style by using images and similar to things that people would understand. Oh, they're agrar- it's an agrarian culture. So he's like enhancing his teaching style. You know, we, we often give illustrations, right, to help people understand the concept And I actually think that both are right Um, because God can do many things in scripture. Uh, There's a, there's a Psalm that talks about God speaking once, but two things being said. Right. And I think that God's always the same, but the recipients are in different places. Their heart condition is in different places. Their, their faith response can be in different places and so you see this throughout the Old Testament. God can deal with two nations at the same time. One is his chosen people, and one that's gone wayward, and one is just a wicked society, and he can, he can have one conquer the other, and he's dealing with both nations in different ways. This is the beauty and, and the power of our God. So parables have a dual nature: concealing and revealing doctrine simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And we're going to dive into it a little bit more. Oh, one other thing I'll just say is that, you know, a parable is a teaching of doctrine given in a mysterious form, okay? Uh, The word parable, if you were to look at it in the Greek, it comes from two words, para and bali. And the idea is like throwing two things beside each other. You're like kind of casting two things to compare against each other. And so this was how Jesus began to teach. Uh, Mark Trotter said this, and I, I love this quote, a parable is a heavenly truth wrapped in an earthly story for the purpose of hiding truth from those that don't really want it anyways. Okay, so again, the religious leaders, not just like, hey, let's, let's, let's talk about what Jesus is saying. They're, they're not there. At this point, they've said, no, God, we don't want to hear what you're saying. We don't want to hear your prophet. These miracles are not from you. These are from Satan. This is where their heart condition's at. Uh, I think about when I was in Spanish. I'm, I'm telling you guys a lot of things about like, my background and, um, and where I've fallen short. So not only in gardening have I fallen short, um, but, but also in Spanish. So uh, I'm Hispanic. Uh, both of my parents speak Spanish very well um, and, and were fluent at least at one point. And I was in a like accelerated track of Spanish where I took like Spanish one and two in eighth and seventh and eighth grade. It was kind of an experiment uh, at, in, a, in our school system. And by the time I got to uh, high school, there were really two types of Spanish students uh, because by like junior year, they were only speaking in Spanish, Okay. So there were the students that actually understood what was being said by the Spanish teacher and being able to dialogue. The haves, <laughs> and then there were the have-nots. You know, and I put myself in the slacking category. Um, if I if I wanted to learn, I really could have. You know, I didn't prioritize it. I didn't seek it out. I didn't I didn't do the due diligence. And it got to the point by my junior year, I, it, it was like they were speaking another language. <laughs> I did not understand what, like, what was going on. And my grades just kept on going deeper and deeper. Um, and, and honestly, by my senior year, like, I didn't really recover from it. Uh, I, it. I really struggled through those classes. And this is kind of, I mean, it, maybe that's a poor analogy, Maybe that's a poor parable, but, uh, you know, uh, eighth grader was in Spanish class and did not pay attention. Uh, but, but the idea here is that, you know, there can be two people in a classroom with God and one person can be understanding everything that's being said. And another person can be, it can just be like foreign. Like, what is he talking about? Okay, so Mark verse, uh, chapter four, verse three. So this is Jesus talking, hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where had not much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some a 100. And he said unto them, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, uh, Uriah Ginther had actually taught on this maybe two months ago when they started the class Good Ground, Okay. And he did a great job uh, teaching that. So if if you go to the website, if you want to get like a deeper dive into this passage and to this specific parable, we will spend some time here. But could you imagine, like, you're sitting with Jesus, the Son of God, and all of a sudden he starts talking about seeds and planting, okay? Now, many of us are familiar with this passage, and and, and you guys kind of know what's about to happen. But like, I would just kind of imagine that in a lot of ways, the disciples, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where it's like, you're kind of embarrassed because you don't know what's being said. Maybe a word's been used and you don't know what it means. And it's kind of like, "Uh, should I say something? No, I'll just act cool. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I'm tracking. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, Absolutely. Right. I imagine that this is kind of like where the disciples were at and probably the multitude as well. Like some people are just like, what is he talking about? He's lost his mind. So verse 10 says, and when he was alone, so when Jesus was alone, they that were about him with the 12 asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, unto you, it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Okay? So you don't see Jesus, like Jesus knows that not everybody's tracking with him. And you don't see Jesus necessarily say to the multitude, no, wait, 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 wait. Like, this is an analogy. Now, let me break it down for you. Like, why, why would Jesus be so cryptic, okay? And I kind of think about it, like, if anybody if anybody here has a job, and uh, if, if there's anybody that's like a people manager, okay, somebody that has direct reports, right? If you have two employees that report to you, and you give each of them the same task or similar tasks and they go out and one knocks it out of the park, gets that job. Maybe, you know, maybe it's cleaning a room. Okay. One cleans the room really, really well. And then you give the other employee a similar job to clean another room and they don't like do that. Okay. Like they don't get it done at all. You have to go and follow up. Right. Right. And then you find out, oh, this big board member's coming. There's going to be this big meeting. And we have this other room that we got to get cleaned, right? Who are, you going to, who are you going to give more responsibility to, right? Who are you going to entrust with that? And then, like, you got to kind of scale things back for the other person because the first the, the foundations of cleaning, they kind of miss that, right? You're not going to give them more so at this point, Jesus is starting to reveal this spiritual kingdom as Israel's rejecting, and not everybody is able to to hear. They don't have ears to hear. So the clarity of the parables will be determined by your faith response to God. Faith response is your next blank. The clarity of the parables will be determined by your faith response to God. And, you know, for, for those where the word of God is revealed, okay, you see in, in verse 10 that it says that they that were about him, they that were about him, you know, are you about God? Uh, that were, and, and with the 12, okay, so um, it wasn't just the 12 disciples. We actually know from studying the Gospels that. There were more than just the 12 disciples, that there were other disciples. And it, and it was these that gathered around Jesus when he was alone. You know, your ears should perk up whenever you hear Jesus being alone because that's oftentimes a picture of our quiet time, getting alone with God, getting time with God, being focused with God. You know, Are you getting alone with God? Are you getting that time? Are you coming aside... And be like, God, what happened here? Are, are you taking the challenges of your life? Are you taking to, to God and being like, why did this happen? What, what are you doing? What are you saying in this situation? Because we can do that as his disciples. But there's also those that the parables were concealed. And it describes them as them that are without. Them that are Without. And these are those that rejected the word of the Lord. They're spiritually blind, deaf, and without knowledge. And Romans eleven twenty five is describing what is happening, what God is doing, I would say, kind of at the macro level with the Gentile nation and the nation of Israel, God's, God's chosen people. And Paul says this, he's, he's talking to the Gentiles in Romans eleven twenty five, 25, and he says this, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Don't be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so because Israel rejected their Messiah, God began to graft in the Gentile nation and build this mystery that would be revealed, the church. That's us. And, and Paul's saying, don't be ignorant of this, of what is happening here. So we got we to gotta pay attention to these things. So Jesus continues, okay? So they, they, they're like, break it down for us, okay? And Jesus says this, and he said unto them, know ye not this parable, how then will you know all parables? So this pa- first parable of, the four, of, of the, the, the four seeds of the four scenarios with the ground, um, I don't want to call it a parable of parables, but Jesus is like, if you don't know this one, like you're not going to know the other parables. Um, because Jesus breaks this down and there's actually some keys within this parable that helps us to start to understand what's being taught in some of the other parables. So let's read it, okay? So this parable of parables. The sower soweth the word. Okay, so oftentimes in scripture, when you see like this idea of seed, it's often a picture of God's word being sown, okay? So the sower soweth the word. That was the seed. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure. But for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So, if we could kind of summarize these four different scenarios of a seed being sown god's word being sown onto the ground i.e. man's heart a human's heart the first one's by the wayside and this represents a foolish heart the fool has said in his heart there is no god and the foolish heart will not not heed to god's word and it's very easy for Satan to just pluck up that, that seed that's being sown. The next one, stony ground. This represents a hard heart, a hardened heart. And I'm sure you guys, I mean, I'm just talking about myself. Uh, maybe you can relate. But there are times when uh, I have a hard heart. Maybe I'm frustrated about something. Uh, maybe I got mad at somebody. Maybe I got mad at a coworker, right? And all of a sudden, like, anything they say feels, like, stupid to me. Oh, that's stupid. Why would they say that, right? It's usually a sign of a hard heart. Um, but in this case, you know, the stony ground, you can't take root, okay? And, and, and you know, a lot of times we'll see um, somebody get really excited about God. They'll come to Midtown or they'll go to a church and they go to your Bible study. They get really excited about God, God right? And they make, they might make a confession. Um, you know, maybe they get baptized. And then all of a sudden it's like three weeks later, it's like, where'd that person go? Like what's going on? Right. And like the word of God hasn't necessarily taken root in their heart. And, you know, if you were to study this out, it's actually, uh, the word that brings the offense, God's word that brings offense in this situation so we can you know we can receive god's word but still have a hard heart among the thorns a divided heart this one i think you know for for us in the room this is probably the biggest watch out we live in a very prosperous nation um and the worries and cares and amenities that we have can sometimes just choke out I mean all the stuff that accumulates in our house, <laughs> that in our apartments, uh, in the places where we stay, it's like those things like all need attention and dusting and mechanical and like, oh, wouldn't you know it, like, uh my computer is broken, so now I gotta spend two hours like getting this thing like worked out or you, you you've had those Saturdays, right? Like you got all the time in the world and then all of a sudden it's like oh, here I am, like, trying to troubleshoot, like, I'm locked out of my Gmail account. I'm spending two hours trying to figure out, like, how I even talk to a human, right? It's like these, these things, like, these, these worries, right? They just, like, can choke out. And at some point, we have to say, you know what? Let's just let these things take care of themselves for, like, the, the worries of the day, they'll take care of themselves. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn my back to them, even if it's just for a while. And, like, I just want to be with God, Just want to get alone with God. And like these giants, they'll get slaved, you know, like let's just get alone with God. And then on good ground, a believing heart. And this is the heart that produces fruit. So to determine the nature of your faith, like if you can kind of think about these like, you know, four scenarios that we just played out, these four seeds. Uh, To determine the nature of your faith response, I would just say this. Evaluate the fruit or lack thereof in your life. If you were to say, God, which, which, which one am I, right? Which scenario am I in? What are the four? Just start to evaluate the fruit in your life. And fruit can look like a lot of different things, okay? So Matt uh, in Matthew, well, let me say, <laughs> so this is... A, uh, this is a, <laughs> Uh, hey, son, have you been eating our strawberries? Um, we, got, we got our son here. Um, you know, he, he, he'd go into our garden and, 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 and test the fruit for us just to make sure it was of good nature, right? So you got to know the fruit if it's good or not. Um, oh, I went too far. Um, but, you, you know, Matthew says, you shall know them by their fruit. And this is actually talking about like um, proving or like reproving Um, leadership like or or another another person that's confessing to be a follower of God like you shall know them by their fruit Um, when I first came to Midtown uh, there was actually a lot of things about Midtown that rubbed me the wrong way just going to be like honest okay I came from I'm kind of a, a Christian mutt in terms of like denominational background and stuff and when I came to Midtown there were like just a lot of things that were very different Um, teaching out of the KJV. Uh, There was um, uh, doctrinal differences. And there were so many things that like, I was like, this cannot be of God. (laughs) Like I was almost in that, it was kind of funny. Like I was like, I think these people are Pharisees. Um, And yet I was the Pharisee. Uh, But you know, what kept me coming back was I was looking at the leader's And the friends that I had coming to Midtown and the fruit coming out of their lives. And I was like, that's of God. Like, I cannot deny that that fruit's of God. Brand new Christians, first generation Christians, broken relationships healed. I was like, I cannot deny that. And so I kept on coming <laughs> and finding out more and more that I was the one that needed like, to change, that I was the one that needed reproofing and, and uh, correction. But we're called, you, you know, you shall know them by their fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. So again, like we need to evaluate the fruit. Um, you know, are you evangelizing? You know, you don't have control over other people's responses, but like, is there evangelism coming out of of your mouth? Are you praying for people? Are you discipling? Are you being discipled? Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Are these fruits coming out of your life? Uh, somebody complimented me on like how chill I was as a parent the other day. Um, sometimes it's hard to like rally the troops uh, when when we're at like a family activity, like uh, like a we were at a, a surprise birthday party for Ali's uh, sister, and uh, somebody's like, "Oh, you're so patient with your kids," and I was like, "If we were at my house, <laughs> you would not be seeing the same Brian, right?" And that's like fruit, you know, like that's, 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 that's fruit. Am I, am I walking in the spirit in this moment? So like, or am I, you know, walking in the flesh? It's so like, what's the fruit in your life? What's your fruit, the fruit in your life this week? You know, you can't, you can't be resting on the laurels of last season. Remember what I talked about with like the pit of despair? It's kind of like come back with a vengeance. Okay. So we all got to be, we all got to be thinking about those things and asking the Lord to reveal those to us. All right. As always got to move fast. Uh, all right. Mark, Mark 4, 21 through 25. And he said unto them, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid, which shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Now, oftentimes, like when I hear this passage, I think about like, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And, and there is passages about like our light shining and being evangelists. But this is, remember the context that like God is starting to conceal things from Israel who has rejected him and open up things. And this is really the context of this passage right here. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. Oh man, so like when we're sitting in on Sunday morning, or when we're doing our quiet time, <clears throat> man, are we just like, are we checking the box? Or like, are we treasuring what, what God is saying through his word? It, because this is serious. Like, if we're not like, if we're not catching the things that God is saying to us it, and and desperately reliant on God's spirit to help us understand, like, this is kind of a scary passage, all right? Now, again, the the doctrinal context of this is, is about Israel rejecting their Messiah, okay? But this also applies to us, even in a spiritual standpoint. So God has unveiled his hidden wisdom, okay? There should be no question in our mind that God is speaking, okay? Sometimes we're like waiting for, like some, some believers are waiting for a revival. They're waiting for God to like start moving. Man, God's ready. God is speaking to us, but have you heeded to the light of his word? Have you heeded to the light of his word? Uh, this word, uh, heed, it's also translated to see, behold, be aware. Okay, so when God's speaking, you know, are you seeing? And you guys, we can't force that in the flesh. 1 Corinthians 2 would be a great passage if you, if, if you know, if there's something in today's sermon that is pricking your heart. First Corinthians two talks about how we have to have God's spirit to know what God is saying and that God wants to reveal that to us and that the wisdom of God is not the wisdom of this world. So Samuel is a great example of this. Um, It says of Samuel in, in first Samuel three, that he didn't let any of God's words fall to the ground. And I just think that's like such a beautiful description. Samuel didn't let any of God's words fall to the ground. <clears throat> All right. So the next passage, the kingdom growing, starting verse 26. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep. And rise night and day, and the seed should spring up, spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth her fruit uh, I'm sorry, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. So um, notice that the, the, the shift. So originally at the start of the parables, he's talking about four scenarios and that one of them is good ground. And now, like, as Jesus continues to teach about principles of the kingdom, he shifted away from the, the bad ground, right? And and, there's, and I don't want to call it an assumption. It's a, because God doesn't assume, uh, but we assume, right? But I think it's safe to assume that there is actually good ground out there. Like, there is good ground out there. There's good ground in the field, so be a faithful laborer and watch God give the increase. It's God that's going to give the increase, but we've got to be the ones sowing seeds. We've got to be the ones that are faithful to share those seeds with other people. Um, <laughs> I think, like, plants growing, like... This, this is probably a time lapse. It would be nice if plants grew this fast, right? Um, but man, it really, like, there's something, like, I don't want to get mystical. Like, there's something magical about this little seed that can grow on good ground and produce 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. We should never go without Adam and Eve should never have gone without, right? And it's just remarkable God's provision in our life. 1 Corinthians 3 6 says this. Uh, this, is, this is Paul, and he's talking about tribalism and like, not to be like taking sides uh, with, with different church leaders. That's the context of this. But he's, but he says this: that um, I've planted, Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. It's God that gives the increase. And I think about what Pastor Kenny shared on Tuesday night about all of us having a part. Um, he used that football analogy of that, um, I don't know, that running back, Michigan State. or Michigan. That's what I said. <laughs> Michigan State. <laughs> Sorry if you're listening, Pastor Kenny. <laughs> I clearly don't follow college football. Um, Michigan. Uh, but it was this idea that, you know, you can watch this amazing football play and you see the end-to-end run back to a touchdown. And it's like, it's easy to be like, oh, that person's the man. But Pastor Kenny was starting to talk about how the academic advisors had a part to play in him coming to that college and the coaches, all that they were doing and their teammates and the blockers. And, you know, we all have a part to play. And it's like, we've, we've got to put, like, we've got to put the energy in and the work. um, As, as if it's, I'm botching this, but like, I'm not saying it right. Like work as if like, it's up to you. But then it's like, at the end of the day, like we got to know and trust that like, it's God that gives the increase. Uh, Acts two talks about uh, the Lord adding to the church daily, such as should be saved. So that's like, I, I guess the warning and all that is just that we can start to think like this is up to us. We like it's we can make this happen. Mm-hmm. You know, if I do X, Y, and Z, if we get formulaic about it. Um, But we've got to be dependent on the Lord. And the last section, okay, Mark 4, verses 30 through 32. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may be lodged under the shadow of it. Okay, so do you remember when we first started looking at the, the four seeds that Jesus was saying, like, if you don't understand this parable, like, how are you going to understand the other ones? Well, fowls were talked about in that in that passage and what did the files represent represent satan and it's like as you see the kingdom of god building and as you see god moving you're also going to see counterfeit and you're going to see satan trying to just take as much ground as as he can as he's going down he knows he's going to lose but who's he going to take with him so where there is kingdom growth, expect Satan to be lurking in the shadows, waiting to steal. Genesis 3, in the garden. Who showed up? The serpent. Adam was commanded to dress and keep. Part of that keeping was protecting. Uh, even Jesus in his, with his 12 disciples, one of his disciples was Judas Iscariot. Who ended up becoming possessed and, and, and turning him in for 30 pieces of silver. And yet Jesus allowed that. Jesus permitted that. So we, just, we need to be sober about this because Satan is, um, sometimes he's lurking in the shadows. Sometimes he's a roaring lion, um, seeing who he can devour in the midst of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. So we are, um, we've probably got about five minutes. Um, You know, I'd ask this, are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you getting alone time with the word of God? Um, and maybe what I would just add is, um, what is the fruit bearing out of your life? You know, I'd asked that question earlier. Whoops. Um, so I was wondering, you know, your prayer groups, we got about five minutes. I was wondering, with your prayer groups, I was just wondering if you guys could maybe talk about some of these things. Of like, what's the fruit be- coming out of my life? And, um, and wondering if we can just pray for each other and, and ask God, that we would be, a, a, a people that hear his words, that are faithful stewards, and that we would bear fruit for him and for his glory. So let's break up. We've got a couple of minutes, um, and then I'll dismiss you all a few minutes before 1030.